Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Io is going to dribble this out, and this game is over. The final score from Philadelphia, 76ers and the Bulls, their fifth straight loss. 121 to 106. No fun. No join Mudville. In that case, no join Philadelphia. The Bulls went down by 15, at least in the final score of the game. Lost by 15 to the Sixers. Now dropped five games in a row. Longest skid of the season for your Chicago Bulls. You heard it here. On Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score, Chuck Swirsky and Bill Wennington on the call. You heard there as the game came to a close. And this five-game skid, I mean, you know, I think there's a balance to the way that that the Bulls should be discussed. I think for the most part, people are being fairly responsible about it. But some of what's ebbed and flowed throughout the season have been the expectations for this squad. Because coming in, if you were saying, you know what, the Bulls with, um, you know, whatever it is, less than 20 games to go are going to be still in the upper half of the Eastern Conference standings. They're just a game back of Milwaukee in the division, number four seed on the whole, have a 600 winning percentage. Then, you know, maybe. Maybe you'd feel pretty good about that. But the discussion, at least, that I was having with various callers and, and texters and just folks coming into the year, after all these different acquisitions had gotten made, is whether or not the Bulls had a chance at hosting a home playoff game. You know, a home playoff series, having the the home court advantage in a playoff series. Could they finish in that top four in the East? Then you get to the number one seed. That ends up making a big difference. When folks see that you have that potential like they saw with the Bulls where they were – the top seed in the Eastern Conference for a big chunk of time, then expectations got adjusted. Folks started viewing the Bulls in a different lens. They started viewing the Bulls as a team that when you see them at the top of the conference, at the top of the deeper conference between the two, as you get deeper into the season, then folks start wondering whether or not this is a championship outfit. It's a fair question to ask with that, that lofty status that they had attained. In the end, to be here at number four, to be in the position they find themselves in, and to do so in the midst of all these different injuries that we've seen them suffering, it's it's still a really impressive run that they've been on right here. And Billy Donovan has, you know, I think done a really effective job of addressing various aspects of, of where the Bulls are struggling with the media. While I did find it striking that last night where I think he's been pretty careful for the most part 
of not allowing the depleted roster, the injuries to be some sort of a crutch or some sort of an excuse. You know, he doesn't necessarily address it in that way. You don't necessarily hear the Bulls players addressing it in that way either. You know, you heard the term next man up being used by a lot of them quite a bit. But he did after last night's game talk about it through that lens a little bit. He didn't go overboard with it, but he did allow that reminder to be there as he was facing questions about some of the, the issues that continue to crop up with this squad, you know, especially on the defensive end, what lacks over there. And he did talk about some of the reinforcements that would be on the way, some of the, the depletion to the roster and how the players are working through that and trying to, you know, trying to still put themselves in position to win. Some of the improvements that the players on the court are making that don't always show up. The fouls that end up taking place. Well, okay, you got you got some good fouls. You got some lazy fouls. Some of what I saw last night were good fouls. It's essentially how Billy Donovan was describing things after last night's game against the Sixers. That was a little bit of a different approach. And I think that'll be a balance for him to continue to walk just in, in how he addresses things with the media. He's been, you know, fairly upfront, fairly analytical about and, and really honest just about what he's seeing, where they need to improve, why it's not there. For the most part, he hasn't necessarily given the players much of an out, those guys on the court. But now that they're in the midst of a five-game skid, now that they're in the midst of what we would really perceive as the deepest struggles that they've had up to this point in the season, we did see him kind of open that door a little bit just to, to recognize what's actually happening. And now you got a game against Detroit coming up, team at the bottom of the of the division. You know, team is playing okay. Like the Pistons are fine. Pistons are playing decent basketball, but this could be at least an opportunity for the Bulls to breathe a little bit here in the midst of a really difficult portion of their schedule that they're trying to sort of ward off at the moment. But early today, our guy Vincent Goodwill, you all know him, you all hear him, you've seen him plenty here in the city of Chicago in years past. You still see him over on Fox Sports and you know, read his writing for Yahoo Sports. He was on with Dan and Layla. He was on Bernstein and Rahimi earlier in the day today. And one of the things that he addressed just in, you know, in, in him viewing the Bulls and their, their championship window and what lens they should be viewed in right now, but he talked about where the Bulls were at earlier in the season. Some of those heroics that were there that might have just been covering up some of the previous warts that were already there. No, I I think the point I was trying to make was when everybody was saying, hey, can the Bulls make the NBA Finals? And I was like, not yet. Like, they're not at that point in their development that they're maybe skipping a step. You were kind of worried, worried about the crash. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing always was that I've always held on to was it's always great when you've got somebody that can save you, you know, late in games. It looks like it's magic. It looks like it's destiny and everything else. And then you realize that that person can't save you every single time. So your warts start showing a little bit more. You don't have the interior defense that can even slow down a Joel Embiid. Like so many things have to go right for you guys to be the best versions of yourself. And I think that's unrealistic. Now, that's not to say that I think the Bulls are frauds or anything like that or that it's fool's gold. But you know now, unless those guys get back and get back as healthy as possible – and really turn things over defensively, you're looking at yourselves and saying, how can we how can we stop people? And late in games, can we conjure up that magic that can basically say, you know what, DeMar, you know what, Zach, 
you guys are going to have to make every single shot, every single play just to keep us in games in a better Eastern Conference than we previously believed to be. And that that's the thing. Because of the level DeMar DeRozan was playing at, and then you had, for at least for certain stretches, now in total, the, the Bulls' full roster has only been together for 16 games, but you did have DeMar DeRozan playing at that MVP level. You had other individual pieces, like, you know, Ayo DeSumo playing like no one expected him to play for certain stretches. You had a stretch of Vooch being a double-double machine. And when healthy, you had different times where Alex Caruso and, and Lonzo Ball had been out there at different points. So I do think overall it's a, it's a really good observation that, that Vinny makes. And, I mean, as far as the, the reinforcements being on the way, like Joe Cowley was tweeting out about it a little bit earlier in the evening here, just the, the fact that between um, you know Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, that uh, they, they flew out to, to Philly and you know the, the chances that they got their workouts in, got scanned, they were read by a specialist and cleared, uh, it is limited. But whether or not they actually will be available in the near future, Cali ended up tweeting that um, he would guess that Caruso, if the scan clears, uh, could be cleared to practice on Friday. A few days, blow the lungs out, and then he could see some action on the three-game West Coast swing at some point. So, you know, Joe Cowley indicating that some of these reinforcements are at least going to be on the way in the not-too-distant future. Probably Caruso first, then maybe P-Will, then after that maybe Lonzo Ball, who's had a couple of sets back, setbacks as his workload on the practice court has increased here and there in the midst of his rehabilitation. But one of the other things that Vincent Goodwill was talking about with Bernstein and Rahimi earlier in the day was also just the – the importance of the Bulls finishing the season on a high note. When you look at the fact that they've had these ebbs and flows, but they had they at least provided themselves some padding. They they started strongly enough. We're now in the midst of these struggles with the lineup being so depleted. It's not as big a deal for the moment, but by the end of the regular season, once you get everyone back together, his point essentially ended up being that you need to be playing quality basketball for a stretch of time before the regular season closes out. I I think you're never as bad as you feel like you are right now. You're never as good as you were a month ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's some usually somewhere in the middle. And I look at a team like the Boston Celtics right now. The Boston Celtics, with the run that they're on, I think they're like 16-3 and three or something like that over the last 20-plus games. They're where the Bulls were two months ago, where they were winning everything and you were getting great performances from your best players and you're riding high. Now, I think it's important for this team to turn things around before the season ends because I do think it's far more critical to be playing better basketball in April than it is in November. And I'm glad that, at least for the Bulls' sake, that they played so well so early on in the season that they have a little bit of a cushion now. Like, they're not dropping down to play-in status. So all is not lost. But you're right on the pressure releases, and you're right on having, having the ability to be able to beat a team in more than just one way. Because basically in the playoffs, they're going to take away the best thing that you do. And you've got to have a counter. Now, whether that counter is on the floor or on the bench, you've got to have a counter to say, you know what, if DeMar is not going to be saving us in the fourth quarter, then we've got to have another strategy. The problem is I don't know if you have the bigs, and I don't know that you have the infrastructure where you normally play four guards in one big I don't know if that strategy works in the playoffs when the refs let things go a lot more and you don't have an interior presence that can cover up all the mistakes for the other four guys anyway. Now, one of the newest members of this Bulls cast, really the newest member is Tristan Thompson, 
at the moment. And you know, Tristan Thompson is not a small guy. You know, some folks list him at 240, others list him at 250. He is only about 6'9", but he plays the center position. But then when matched up against Joel Embiid at over 7 foot, and I'm guessing he's well over 300 pounds, but he carries it well. He's finally gotten himself into shape, and it's why he's the player in line to you know, potentially, we'll see what happens with, with him or Jokic, but it's right now coming down to those two individuals. Throw John Morant into the mix as well for some of the special things he's done lately, but Joel Embiid certainly playing at an MVP level, and he just dwarfs Tristan Thompson. Dwarfs him in size, dwarfs him in skill. It, I mean, it just shows the, the overall, the all-around, the well-rounded game that Joel Embiid brings to the table. And Tristan Thompson did what he could with him. You can't really, he's not a player. He hasn't shown himself throughout his career to be able to provide a whole lot of offensive punch that puts pressure on the opponent at the other end of the court. So you're hoping he can come up with some big things on defense, but he's had to be featured, focused on a little bit more, certainly on the court last night, than what the Bulls intended with him coming in because you do have Nikola Vucevic with this hamstring issue that may linger for a couple of games. We'll see how that part plays out. But there are a lot of folks in Chicago just kind of getting to know Tristan Thompson. You know him a little bit from those championship runs, uh, that championship run they had in Cleveland when he was with LeBron James there with the Cavs. But aside from that, really haven't heard much from Tristan Thompson, at least on the court. But he is an effective defender. He's in a position to fill this role once the Bulls get back to full strength. But Dan actually had a question specifically about Tristan Thompson. I just loved the answer that Vinny gave about it. That's my conclusion about Tristan Thompson. Like, He's been no, in a movie he, for a really I long time, I swear to God, man. he Finning. thinks, watch him. He, 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 he carries himself as if he's playing the role of Tristan Thompson in a movie about Tristan Thompson. And it's just stuff he says when he's, when he's on the floor, like all his interactions. It, it, that's the way I make him make sense. I mean, has he not just been in a movie for the past X amount of years of his right. life where Thank you. everything – you know, every concubine, every move, every, you know what I mean? Like, we find out about it. Usually this this thing is like an underbelly. Tristan Thompson's got to figure out who the mole is in his camp, and maybe it's Tristan Thompson that's letting all the gossip blogs know what he's doing. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if such things were actually true. He's in his own Truman Show. I get it. So we had the live Napoleon Dynamite reference, and now we've had concubines that we just re-ran for you from earlier in the day with Vinny Goodwill. He's always a great time anytime he's on any of the shows here on the station. So uh, I couldn't agree more. One of the things that Tristan Thompson actually shared before I go to break, he was talking last night uh, during some of the postgame when he's at the podium addressing things with the media. He did reference just the Bulls offense. He was kind of talking in not necessarily in detail, but just sort of in general terms about the Bulls perhaps needing to try a wider variety of offensive sets. Try to throw a few different things at the opponents than what they're showing them right now. Didn't do it in a way that I found too off-putting. Didn't necessarily, you know, I wouldn't say he was like throwing Billy Donovan under or the Bulls coaches under the bus or anything like that. But he did at least just reference that it would probably be worth the Bulls trying a few different approaches on offense. Now, you know, the, the personnel that they have available to them, are there limits to that? as far as what the Bulls can really deploy at the moment, just because you, you don't have some of your veterans on offense, you don't have, and obviously, you know, like Lonzo Ball being your, your best true point guard, your advancer of the basketball and getting your break started, you don't have that element at the moment. Alex Caruso, what he can do in just swinging the ball in the half court and being an effective perimeter shooter, then you don't have that available to you either. So you do have, you do have less of that veteran influence for right now 
than what you're accustomed to having available to you. But in the end, to at least see what else you can do to try to take some of the pressure off of DeRozan at times, some of the pressure off of Levine and just throw a different look at the opponents. Is it a personnel issue? Is it an issue just of, you know, the Bulls not necessarily trying as, as wide a variety of things as what would make sense? Tristan Thompson last night after the game did seem to allude to maybe the Bulls should try a few different things on offense. And who knows? You know, Billy Donovan has done a really effective job throughout this season. So I would imagine there's something there. He's looking at it. He and his staff evaluating it. And he'll try to continue to deploy some things in a way that he feels his players can handle. For right now, they definitely need to find a way to get DeMar DeRozan going again. And it doesn't necessarily need to be just finding him more shots or or just getting him to spots on the court where where he can go one-on-one constantly. That's not where the Bulls have been at their best on offense throughout this season. So appreciate that, that sound from Bernstein and Rahimi. Appreciate my guys, Adam Studzinski and Tyler Butabaugh, for grabbing that for me. And by the way, I mentioned Studs. saw a yeah. little bit of breaking news on, uh, on Adam Studzinski's uh, Twitter account. So I'm, I'm going to take a time out. I'll come hey, back. you know what? Actually, mm-hmm. actual somewhat breaking news. I was just going to send this to you, yeah. uh, but um, we'll just since, since you mentioned my name. Good time to break in, right? So right. Uh, Adam Schefter, and I made sure that this is the blue checkmark Adam Schefter. <laughs> the real Adam yeah. Schefter. <laughs> Adam Schefter just tweeted five minutes ago that the Seahawks have informed eight-time All-Pro and Pro Bowl linebacker Bobby Wagner. They are releasing oh. him. Oh, wow. oh, dude. And we had Softy on. If this yeah. would have happened tw- 25 minutes ago, <laughs> we could have got his reaction, reaction in real time. Oh, right. man. Right. So there you go. Bobby Wagner's getting there. cut. Uh, breaking news on the score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. Some more breaking news that Adam Studzinski actually put on his own personal Twitter account that he broke to the world. To the host of the show, we were just playing audio from a moment ago and also some baseball updates to deliver. We'll do that in just a few short minutes. We'll talk to Mike DeCourcy. We'll preview the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament that begins tomorrow. A lot to get to as we were coming down the stretch for this final hour I'm here with you on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there.
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Some bing bing tracked very closely out there in cyberspace. There's been a couple of items in particular that I think people have been wary of getting their hopes up about in recent days. And one of them has actually been tweeted about here. The, the other, I'll, I'll read uh, some other tweets that have been there from, uh, from folks who are very reputable in the industry, let's call it. But Let's get uh let's get Adam Studzinski to crack the mic here for an update on something Yo, from well within the Score Studios because uh it, it's come up quite a bit from a lot of folks who work uh, who have their names on shows here throughout the daytime shifts the ability to view televisions the ability to have programming within their within their grasp at their fingertips figuratively has been a struggle at the station for quite some time. And uh, I read the breaking news sponsor earlier, breaking news on the score. It's brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. And studs, I believe it was uh, it was not too long ago where you tweeted out at Bernstein and Rahimi just about an hour ago that apparently something good, something positive is happening in the studios at the score. Yes, so to catch everyone up to date if you if you i i particularly heard this being bantered about during the bernstein and rahimi show mm-hmm. which is why i tagged them in my tweet because i figured that they were the most important they were the ones that were most wanting to know this this yeah, extremely important news so yeah. we got an internal email about this but for those who who did not get the do not do not were not aware excuse me of what was going on this the the tv's in the actual studio here at the score, so not the ones that we have in the control room here, mm-hmm. the ones in the in the studio were not working for the better part of the last week, week and a half. And our our great engineer here, Rich Wyatt, gave me the TLDR on this yesterday. <laughs> and basically, it's just some Comcast updating that happened. We updated our service and consolidated some accounts, blah, 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 resulted in those particular <laughs> TVs for some reason, those particular TVs only not working. And so Comcast, they, you know, of course, they had to schedule appointment with Comcast to come in. And and I think they just had to give us new boxes or something like that. I don't, I don't know for sure. But <laughs> the, the updates have been done and everything is now fully functional, according to my extremely reliable sources within uh. the, the station. And, you have it. and so I have it on good authority yeah. that they're working. I'm also looking at the working TVs as we speak. 
So I can be a reliable source on this. Yes, that is great news. TVs fully functional on the score. I'm sure a lot of folks will be very pleased to hear that. Also, uh, another piece of intel that is out there, uh, Evan Drellich, who is with The Athletic, he is reporting, he and Ken Rosenthal also reporting some terms from the MLB as negotiations have been going on for several hours at this point and the luxury tax thresholds uh, from the MLB owners, they have written out their proposal, they have submitted it to the players. The luxury tax thresholds continue to climb from league owners so we'll see. The ball is, I guess, from this latest offer in the court of the MLBPA. Russ Dorsey, our guy here at the station, also of, of Stadium and Bally Sports. He's been tweeting about this quite a bit throughout the evening as well, uh, just as the, the MLB's latest offers and what they're trying to do in increasing the CBT coming in exchange for the 45-day notice has been getting talked about for a few days about rules changes. This is something I was talking about with Bruce Levine uh, last week, just in through the lens that if baseball is going to start missing games, don't allow it just to be about dollars and cents. Put some, put some protocols in place. Put some safeguards in place that at least allow you to improve the game, to improve the pace of play. If folks are all you know up in arms, we know the DH is going to be gone. Some of these things that have been getting talked about for seasons at this point that would Im- improve the product and the perception of the product, the viewer experience at games and on television – it's great to hear that some of that is going to be in place as well. So we'll see. There, there might be movement. I, I get the impression a lot of folks aren't trying to get their, their hopes up too much about it. But for the moment, there's some movement that is there. We, we will see whether or not a deal gets struck before more games get lost for this coming MLB season. So let me go ahead and take a time out. We're going to spend a little bit of an extended time with my guy, Mike DeCourcy. The Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament begins tomorrow. The deepest conference in college basketball will be on the court. Some awards got named and given out today. More action will take place on the court tomorrow. And the man from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network will join me on the other side of this timeout. And I know a whole lot of you listening in, you don't necessarily get all the Big Ten and college sports action you would want to. We'll get a lot of that in for you next here on The Score. Michigan is, is very, very talented. You've got the guy who was a, a preseason All-American at Indiana, and I think it just speaks volumes. And, you know, let's take it one step further. Think about the job Fred Hoiberg did. They were 1-16 going into their last three games all on the road and win all three. And their kids did not fold. And, I mean, they've got great wins. You know, you win and had a chance to beat Iowa in there at home. So it's an unbelievable league with great coaches, and this year we have incredible talent. The individual players in this league are phenomenal. That's what Brad Underwood sounded like this morning on with Molly and Hawk. Of course, the Illini head men's basketball coach. Co-Big Ten champs reside down in Champaign. They shared that title with the Wisconsin Badgers, a very surprising close to the regular season. In the midst of a regular season that had more twists and turns than a theme park roller coaster, the man who covered it as closely and as well as anyone in the industry is with me right now in the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You can find him on Twitter at TSN Mike. He is my guy, Mike DeCourcy, of both the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. Mike, how are you this evening? I am well, Anthony. How are you? I'm spectacular. I am eagerly, 
eagerly anticipating the onset of the Big Ten men's basketball tournament. But before we get into some tournament discussion, the conference did put out their uh, their major awards, leg lamp style. They put out the, the all Big Ten teams, all the individual honors, the coach of the year. And the coach of the year did not end up being Brad Underwood of the Illini and all the machinations of Illinois' roster and guys in and out of the lineup and everything else and sharing the title. It was Greg Gard of Wisconsin. Conference Player of the Year had a number of different options. Ended up being Johnny Davis of Wisconsin. Coach of the Year, Player of the Year. Do you feel like the Big Ten got it right? Well, I think that, first of all, on the Player of the Year, absolutely got it right. And and that's not an easy thing to say because Kofi Coburn was for Sporting News, which was released Monday, a first-team All-American. And so was Keegan Murray. We had three Big Ten guys. That's what Brad Underwood was talking about with the individual talent in the league. It's it had I don't think I I mean I, in terms of relative to the competition it's been a long time since there were this many All America level players in a single league now when you go back to '83 and I can go back to '83 Anthony I know a lot of people listening <laughs> may not be able to but uh, that year the ACC had Ralph Sampson uh, they had James Worthy excuse me not James Worthy Sam Perkins Michael Jordan. So the, there, there was amazing talent, all-time talent in the league then. And I don't know that one would say that about these guys. These are all going to be very fine professional players, but maybe not quite to that level, Hall of Fame level, that, uh, that, that Samson was as a collegiate and MJ was the greatest player of his era. So uh, I, I think that, uh, that it, 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 Dave did a terrific job in getting these awards right on. I personally would have... We were going to have this discussion on Big Ten basketball and beyond on Sunday, and I had I had chosen Brad as my coach of the year, uh, but we just ran out of time. So we, we talked about freshman of the year and coach and player of the year, but didn't get to talk to coach uh, talk about coach of the year. So we I, I I was going to say Brad was was the guy I would have voted for. I, I but uh, you know I thought the fact that they were able to get a share of the league when they, the player that they had, one of the two players they had built this season on, uh, Andre Corbello, was missing for nearly six weeks and still hasn't been able, because they had to construct a completely new operation while he was absent, and it was successful, they didn't want to abandon that operation and start all over again. And I, I totally get that, but you have to, make that decision as a coach and manage it and try to figure out, well, well, what do we do with Andre when he's back? And, and I think they managed that very well. And it's still a work in progress because he's still a player who can be a difference maker for them in the tournament coming this weekend and in the big one that's coming after that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really intriguing tournament that comes up. And it feels like the majority of the teams who are, who are preparing to, to play in the tournament, whether those beginning tomorrow and in, in the days to come, a lot of them sort of at least have a, a good idea of what their tournament lifespan will be. I do want to, I want to ask one more question just about some of these individual awards. When you reference Kofi Coburn um, in, in the player of the year picture, Keegan Murray of Iowa, one of those individual pieces as well. And Jaden Ivy from Purdue. When you look at some of the guys who maybe have higher, higher draft stature like Ivy and, you know, Keegan Murray working his, himself into that discussion, you know, it's a potential lottery pick as well. Do you think those individual pieces, like it, it was there a case to be made 
for any of them over over Johnny Davis, who ended up getting the Big Ten Player of the Year? Like, how much did that ebb and flow as you saw it throughout the season? Uh, not that much. Johnny established himself as as a dominant player pretty early, and I thought that Keegan had a wonderful season, and I was proud to see him on Sporting News' first All-America team, and the same for Kofi, what a dominant force he is inside. A really rare, I uh, you know, a really rare person to have in college basketball to have someone that physically powerful and that, that dynamic. True center, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, but I, but I, you know, my vote for, jo- for was for Johnny for quite a while. I thought early on, we had this discussion like in our first episode of Big Ten and Beyond, after they'd all had such wonderful non-conference seasons. We had this episode, and I, and I went with Jaden Ivey then. But although I think Jaden had a, has had a fine year and, and could be the most important Big Ten player in the, in the postseason, could be. He's that talented. Uh, I didn't think he had the kind of A-plus year that Johnny had, that, that Keegan had, and, and Kofi had. And, uh, and I would have put uh, Jaden behind E.J. Liddell as well. I thought E.J. was tremendous. And I think he made our third All-America team, which was disappointing to me because – I, I'll, I'll I'll let it out of out of the bag that I voted for him for first team. I, I thought he was huh. I thought he was amazing. I had a great year. Was such a versatile player. Probably didn't help him that Ohio State kind of fatigued down the stretch, lost a lot of momentum, lost several games that they would like to have back, and I think that probably hurt his you know his his value in the eyes of the All America voters. Mike DeCourcy of the Big Ten Network and the Sporting News here with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. He joins me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. And so tomorrow, Mike, we have the the beginning, the onset of the Big Ten men's basketball tournament. Nebraska will face Northwestern. Minnesota will face Penn State. I mean, those are teams that, you know, Minnesota started well early in the season and then tapered off. Nebraska, sort of the opposite approach, you know, was, you know, barely had a pulse throughout much of the season and finished really strongly. Are either of the teams that we'll see hit the court tomorrow a legitimate threat to make a deep run in the tourney? I don't, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Penn State win Minnesota, the Minnesota game and then the Ohio State game. So I guess that would be considered deep because it is two games and, you get you start you win a couple of games in one of these things, and and the momentum that's generated by that is pretty remarkable. And I, so that's I think that's possibility. But the day that really separates the Big Ten from every other league, except the Big Twelve, is this second day, the the second round day, in advance of the quarterfinals. So, you know, I was looking at the ACC tournament bracket tonight, and they're into their second day, and there's nothing to see. I mean, it's just not there. Uh, in terms of high-end teams, there's just you know there's nothing to excite you. Or uh, we've got on in the Big Ten, you're talking about Indiana, Michigan is essentially a elimination game for Indiana, a you know an essential game for Michigan. They can still get in without it, but they don't want to test that. Then you've got um, Maryland playing Michigan State. Michigan State's contending for a tournament bid. Iowa, of course, will be in. And, and of course, when I say contending, Michigan State, there's you know they're they're they'll make it. Uh, and then Ohio State as well. So you're talking about five potential NCAA tournament teams playing on your second day, not on your, not on your quarterfinal day, but the day before your quarterfinal day. They could have 
all eight teams on the quarterfinal day being NCAA tournament stature. So uh, that doesn't happen in a lot of places. And I will say one of the, one of the interesting phenomenons of of how you know I guess Twitter world works now is that because he, the Big Ten got nine teams in the tournament last year and only one advanced, one Sweet Sixteen team, one Elite Eight team, no Final Four teams. Now, now, now the talk is how the Big Ten always fails, always flops, always pl- underperforms. Happened one time. I went back and did the stats, and over since 2010, I wasn't going to go all the way to like forever. So I went over the last uh, 11 tournaments to 2010, and they have more victories than all than every other team, uh, league but the ACC. And as you know, a lot of those victories belong to two teams, and they had a better winning percentage than every other league but the ACC. They have more Final Four teams than anybody. And yet, that, that's what you get because, A, they had a bad year last year, and, B, they haven't won a championship since, since 2000. It, it, sometimes, the, uh, sometimes the thought process out there gets you a little frustrated. Yeah, and understandably so. Could not agree more with Mike DeCourcy on that topic here on the score. Uh, those games that begin on Thursday, it, it feels like Indiana is the team that for the moment would be on the outside looking in. Is is there a team that that you know legitimately has a? Tur- I mean, I guess anyone who wins the Big Ten tournament would have a you know would automatically make it. But you know, a team that wouldn't need the victory for for an automatic qualification. Indiana is is there a team that that has more on the line as it relates to their tournament hopes in the Big Ten? Not starting uh, on Thursday. No, uh, Indiana. That one. That one is if you get in. I mean, if you if you get a win then you're alive, and you probably need to beat Illinois as well. But at least you're alive. If you lose, it's over. They, there's, I mean, there's honestly no chance because everybody, everybody is in line ahead of them at that point, and Michigan will be further ahead because they'll have that win. So it, that, that game, Indiana knows that it, if they don't win it, they're almost certainly, like 99% certainty out. If they win it, then you know their possibility rises to maybe fifty-fifty. Uh, they've got a they've got a shot then, so that they have to play like that. And then Michigan, you know, right now they're probably seventy thirty to get in, maybe a little more, uh, presuming that you know with a loss with seventy thirty. But I just think that's a chance that you don't want to take if you're Michigan. Too much can go on. Uh, other teams that might be in line to get at-large bids, like North Texas or Davidson, could lose their league tournaments. And, and all of a sudden, the, the available spaces start to dwindle. If Michigan wins that game, they don't have to think again about whether they're getting in. It's just a question of where they get seated and where they get shipped. How about Rutgers? Because their their season has been so unique in the way that they had those <laughs> those really damaging non conference losses, but then they went on that magnificent run of defeating a bunch of ranked teams in just over a week. Now they sit as a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Do you do you feel like Rutgers has solidified themselves regardless of what happens for them this week? You know, I I think that that because they'll play, you know, if they play Iowa, say. I mean, if Northwestern pulls the upset or Nebraska pulls the upset or whatever, uh, then Rutgers has to win that game. They can't give anybody an excuse to leave them out. Uh, but if it's Iowa, then they have to play well. At minimum, they have to play well. I mean, it has to be a it has to be a game all the way to the end. And if they lose it, 
they'll still probably make it. Not having that little extra padding in the form of a you know a solid squad that would get them another quad two win or something like that, like a Maryland or someone of that ilk, that, that hurts them a little. Uh, so they're going to have to step right up to the plate when when you know presuming Iowa wins that game on on Thursday against either Nebraska or Northwestern, they'll have to step up to the plate right there. And and like I said, I think they can get in if they if they compete and that's pretty much what they usually do but Iowa brings in an offensive attack that is hard to deal with and they could make it ugly with a with a great day from Keegan or uh, or someone like that so I I, I, I I can't say that Rutgers is secure I because they're they are going to have to break some precedents right now 76 in the net no, now we haven't had the net very long, but no one's gone at that level. Uh, seven, 73 St. John's went, and, and they don't use the rankings, but I think the 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 circumstance of being that deep in the rankings says something to them, to the committee. So I, I do think that they're going to have to set some precedents, and it, coming off a loss in that in that tournament might end up being too big a burden to carry. So certainly, I mean an ugly loss. Certainly if they play great, then I think that the committee will be convinced with all the wins they have, you know, this could have been one more. It just didn't happen to be. And before I let you go, of the other teams that end up with a a double bye, the the Illini with the one seed, Wisconsin at two, Purdue at three, do you see any of them with with an opportunity to really enhance their their ability at maybe a two seed in the NCAA tournament if they can go ahead and win it out? Yeah, I think either Purdue or Wisconsin could be. Uh, I don't know yet whether or not the committee will take – if if those teams are available, if it's Illinois versus – Wisconsin or Purdue. The one thing that I think helps the idea of alternate brackets is that they really all have basically the same or similar preferences in terms of the bracket. So they could have one where one is a two and one is a three and then flip it because Illinois and Wisconsin would both like to be in in, the in Milwaukee for the first round and Chicago for the second, if they, if they had their choice, um, Illinois and Purdue would both like to be in Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis would be the closest for Illinois, but Milwaukee would be a good spot. They're not going to get Indianapolis most likely anyway, because of, uh, because of Kentucky. So I, I, you know, I think that they could make alternate brackets and take into account that final game instead of just blowing it off as they sometimes have. Mike, as always, outstanding stuff. Looking forward to uh, continuing to discuss this and other topics related to Big Ten hoops with you in the weeks to come. Hopefully some teams will be advancing deep throughout March Madness. Great stuff, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, Anthony. That is Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News and of the Big Ten Network. My final guest of this show tonight, my thanks as well to Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee, uh, Seattle radio legend, let's call him Dave Softy Mahler, and the aforementioned Mike DeCourcy. My thanks as well to Adam Studzinski and Tyler Butabal on the ones and twos for me throughout the evening here. We covered a lot of ground over the last three hours. I will be back with you Thursday night from 7 to 10 right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.